Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On a mixtape just around the corner Did a lot in California Can't wait to drop this don't you Yeah, they gon' have fun with that Smash like song and my song's gon' break through like a running back <laughs> Hello and welcome to the podcast that is usually up to speed with Formula One. My name is Mark Hamilton and joining me as always, my friend, my neighbor, my colleague, my frenemy, Mr. Mark Daly. And it is Monday, November 28th. We are effectively in the holiday season and we're here to talk about everything but F1 today. But before we kick off, my friend, how the heck are you doing? I'm good, man. It's been a crazy weekend just uh, behind us. Spent uh, Saturday just uh, throwing up all the Christmas decorations and trying to remember which cord went into which string of Christmas lights that went out front because last year everything went together and this year I can't remember how it went together. We had the exact same setup, but you know how it goes. But it was fun, man, and just uh, spending some time with the family and uh, now sitting down here in the studio to to wrap up the weekend and it, it, with you, buddy, and it's, it's good. Like, is good this is this is the point normally where we would be kind of doing our traditional preamble to a formula one race recap or to our weekly yeah. news show and i start looking at my watch a little bit it's like oh have we gone too far are people starting to check out but we don't have to do that today and if you no. didn't know and if you want a little bit of context we had decided that we would do what we're going to call the f1 off topic show so obviously we've got our interview series we've got our book club series we have our race reviews which we do with tim haraney of tsn and we've got our weekly news show which is kind of the backbone but we decided we do a little mm-hmm. something a little bit fun just because we get a lot of questions that aren't really F1 related. And I think we wanted to give the audience a, an opportunity to get to know us a, a little bit better. And of course, we're now in the off season. And one of our commitments, one of our promises was that we were going to keep content coming. And most yep. of it, I promise, will be F1 related, but not today. So my friend, I'm going to kick this one off with possibly the most relevant question possible, given the timing. Oh, okay, okay. Can can, can oh, I just clarify? Because I go. know that we have, because I know that people are going to be watching this on YouTube. So just for full disclosure, I'm wearing a Red Bull racing cap, but I'll just sort of tilt my head here so those of you can see it on camera. So there's a big three on there. There's not a double three. And so basically, I, this is just, I needed something to wear because, you know, my hair is just a mess. And the first thing I did was grab my Danny Ricardo hat, which uh, this came from the 2018 Australian Grand Prix from a friend of ours that was visiting in Australia. And she called us and she's like, hey, there's some Formula One thing going on here this weekend that you guys really like, right? Is there anything I could bring back? So I said, yes, of course. If you're at the Australian Grand Prix, please get me a Danny Ricardo hat. I said, if you could somehow track down Danny Ricardo to sign it, that would be awesome. But I'm not going to 
put any expectations on that. So just just that, just that, because, you know, otherwise, you know, oh, those guys are Red Bull homers. Although if I put on a Mercedes hat or you did, it'd be, oh, those guys are Mercedes homers. So <laughs> anyways. <laughs> Dude, the context <laughs> a- is, is beautiful. And actually, you know, I'm going to pivot that into a directly adjacent question, which is, because I've got an answer to this, but what is your favorite, what is your favorite piece of Formula One merch that you own? Formula One merch that has a story is better, Ooh. but what is your favorite piece of merch? My favorite piece of merch is I've got uh, somewhere, actually, it's just off camera here. It is a uh, 2001 Ralph Schumacher uh, Williams hat. And I got that from my very first Grand Prix, which I sometimes get put on blast about because I seem to talk about it way too often on the show. But uh, we went to the European Grand Prix that year at the Nürburgring. And of course, anything Michael Schumacher related was completely (laughs) off the (laughs) shelf, sold out. So I figure, you know, like, of course, if you're going to, and it, I mean, that was like pretty much peak Schumacher mania at the time, right? Michael, that is. And uh, so there there was nothing doing to get any Michael, but there's plenty of Ralph merch. So I figured I'll get that. And just so, you know, <laughs> that, that's, I, I would say it's my most favorite one, but it's, it's the one that's kind of got a funny story towards it. Or behind it, I love I it. That's say. fantastic. I've got a, I've got a couple pieces that I, I really enjoy, or I don't really enjoy. They're sitting in glass showcases, or they're framed, so I enjoy yeah. looking at them. Um, the first one is I I bought in 2016 before my wife and I departed for the uh, Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, which was the finale of that season. Um, I bought one of the half scale, one half scale Lewis Hamilton helmets, and I nice. was naive thinking I was going to be able to go to this race and just get Lewis to sign it. But uh, we actually lined up <laughs> um, for the Mercedes. Mercedes drivers because they did like a signing session and it was on a big stage and throughout the day they would bring up different teams and we were there for Mercedes and I think Mercedes were the last or almost the second to last team but we mm. sat in line for about six hours and oh my God. they brought Nico Rosberg out because they, they would normally bring the drivers out so we were in a really good place in line and we were right up at the front and they brought Nico out which was a little bit weird because nobody really wanted Nico's autograph so what they said <laughs> was hey anyone anyone in the line that's here for Nico come forward so all the people behind us that were there for Nico came forward and then Lewis came out so all of a sudden we're pushed to the back of the line and it became pure pandemonium so Lewis was actually good he actually came off the stage at one point and started going right into the crowd and signing autographs wow, so I basically cool. put the put the helmet in my wife's hand and pushed her into the crowd and she disappeared <laughs> into this throng of fans and when she came back she was holding it above her head with a signature and it was funny oh, because wow. we literally spent wow. this entire day doing this. And then the next day, I'm walking around and just bump into Lewis and got him to sign my hat. So it was kind of funny. <laughs> but the, the other pieces that I really love is one of our listeners from, from Jeddah, actually, Nabila, shout out. Um, yep. She sent both of us a print. And I, I, you can actually see it in the background right there. She actually sent both of us a print from the Jetta Grand Prix this year, which was fantastic. And um, I also have a lovely print that I haven't yet had signed from our our good friend Andy um, from the Miami Grand Prix as well. But that actually kind of lines up perfectly because our first question of the night Mm -hmm. comes from Andy. And it's basically just World Cup question mark. And our listeners, I think, generally know, but maybe this is a good time, Mark, for you to kind of refresh everybody on your passion for that sport, how important it has been to you, and maybe talk a little bit about your your broadcasting and journalism career, because all of our listeners know you for this world-famous podcast, Humble humble mm-hmm. Brag, but talk a little bit about <laughs> some of the really great work that you've done covering the national team and professional club soccer in the yeah. past. 
Yeah, so that that's 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 kind of like a long story, but it's a cool one and very relevant to you know this time because uh, obviously the 2022 FIFA World Cup is going on in uh, Qatar in the Middle East uh, at the moment. Started just uh, well about a week ago now, so we're we're about two thirds away through the group matches, and there's been some exciting stuff uh, going on, but. You know, I come from uh, a European uh, family. I'm a first generation Canadian, first one outside of in the family to be born outside of the ancestral homelands on the other side of the pond there. So it's something that I've always grown up with. And, you know, my dad being English and my mom being Dutch, I mean, they've uh, obviously have history at the World Cup and have a very established uh, club um, football leagues uh, in both of those countries. Of course, the, the English Premiership is probably like the biggest uh, club competition in the world. I mean, it's just absolutely fantastic. I love watching the EPL. And so, I mean, it's just something that that I've always grown up with. I, I'm a diehard Manchester United fan. I'm the only one in the family because you know, my English side of the family. And I chose it because all my other family, my relatives in England, they, regardless what club they cheer for, they all sounded, they're, they're, they all said that they were united in their hatred for United. So I figured I'm going to be the black sheep in the family and cheer for United. And then, uh, you know, on my, my mom's side of the family in, in Holland, um, you know, a lot of them I cheer for a little club called uh, FC Twente, which is uh, in Enschede, which is about uh, 100 miles, 160 kilometers east of uh, Amsterdam. Basically, just get in the car, head east, stop just uh, before the German uh, border, and that's where Enschede is. And then um, it's pretty close to where my family, like, I've got family all around that part of uh, Holland. So that's uh, pretty cool. I have some relatives and friends that have played in, uh, they, they haven't played, well, actually I have one friend that played for the uh, for, for the national team. And then, um, you know, I have uh, other relatives that have uh, played in, in Holland that have played uh, club football at uh, various levels. So that's that's pretty cool. But yeah, so so my interest, or uh, when I got into broadcasting, if you can believe it, that this is already going on 10 years. And so I guess it was in 2012, thereabouts, just started randomly blogging for the uh, the, the Vancouver Whitecaps, which is the Major League uh, Soccer team here in uh, Vancouver. And then one of these days, or like w- one day, I get uh, th- this guy kind of slides into my DMs. He's a guy I kind of uh, interacted with on Twitter a little bit, fellow by the name of uh, Jorge Mendoza. And he's like, bro, I got an idea. Do you want to like meet up for, for, for coffee sometime? He said, I don't know where you're at. I'm in New Westminster, which is, you know, just where, where we live in Coquitlam. It's like 10, 15 minutes down the road. I'm like, yeah, bro, sounds good. I'm, I'm on Coquitlam. Let's, uh, let's meet up for a, for a, for a cup of coffee. And so as we, we sit down, he's got, he's like, and he had this idea to do like a Whitecaps podcast. Turns out, I mean, the name was a little bit of a giveaway. I mean, Spanish sounding name. So I knew he was probably from, from you know, somewhere in a Spanish speaking uh, country, right? Turns out he's from Mexico City. And he had this whole idea for this Whitecaps themed podcast, like all set up, ready to go. He had a name, he had a Twitter handle, he had logos. And like, because, you know, his, his wife uh, does that sort of stuff. And, you know, he had all this stuff put together. And I went and talked to him. And I remember getting home and saying to, to my wife, and she's like, well, how did it go? I'm like, I don't know how I can say no to this guy. He's like, he's got everything all, all, all figured out. We got all really well together. So we sat down and right at the end of that season, and I guess the end of the 2012 Major League Soccer season, and I think we we banged out three or four episodes, but we we never released them and the original files have long since disappeared into the ether or into to cyberspace due to various hard drive failures and, and things like that. So we released uh, the, the, the podcast. We had no idea. Like we, we could both were fairly decent at blog 
blogging and stuff like that. So we, we kept going with that. And eventually we, we started covering uh, Whitecaps FC2, which is which used to be the Whitecaps USL affiliate, which is now, I think they've resurrected it now into a, a different league, but they used to be in the, the USL. And then sort of parlayed that into um, you know full credentials for the MLS team. And from there, got to do some uh, pretty cool other stuff. Managed to get credentialed for the, uh, the, the Canadian soccer program for the, the CSA, the, the, the Canadian Soccer or Canada Soccer Association. Got to cover a whole bunch of really big matches at, uh, at BC Place in Vancouver. The best one, I think, uh, was, I guess this would be spring of 2016. And uh, Mexico came up uh, to play Canada in a qualifier, I guess, for the, the World Cup in 2018. And that was unlike anything I think I'd ever seen in in Vancouver to that uh, that point. Because I mean, talk about like like a like a circus. I mean, there was a real hype around that game, and you know, of course, just over the border. I mean, there's obviously a big Mexican expat you know community in the United States, and being so close. I mean, I you know, we're like only a couple hours from Seattle, the border is maybe half an hour from where we sit. So it, it's easy ac- accessible for people to cross over either way. So you knew that there was going to be a lot of Mexican fans in the stands for, for that one. So BC Place, which is about 65,000 seat capacity, was absolutely packed to the rafters. And they brought like a, a really, really packed, uh, you, know, you know, like really stacked team for that one, uh, uh, Mexico did. And it was really, really cool. Because uh, we used to go there for and cover all the matches, and uh, there's a, a media lounge which Hammy, you're probably familiar with at uh, at BC Place, where you, you go in, and before a match, you can sit down, you have something to eat, and 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 you know just kind of chat and whatnot. And I remember sitting there with like a, a bunch of the the other uh, media people from from Vancouver, other journalists and photographers and whatnot, just sitting there, and it was it was completely crazy. Then all of a sudden, Jorge Campos walks in there, and like you know, Jorge is this legendary player from from you know, in Mexico, he played for the national team. He was a goalie, super flamboyant, and had this amazing career. Then, after he retired, he made this uh, transition. I don't know if he's still doing it into into broadcasting and like i mean the way that he walked in this larger than life personality and lots of these mexican people like like journals and whatnot just sort of and people that were in the media lounge literally falling over themselves to like say hello and shake his hand and and my buddy jorge he's sitting there he's like oh my god that's jorge campos this is amazing because i think he was doing color for that match for fox deportes maybe it was espn deportes anyways it was really cool but that was really really uh quite incredible so also from there uh, managed to do some uh, other cool things as well like uh covering uh the the rugby sevens which has become a real thing here in in vancouver and if you've never been to like a rugby sevens tournament i really really recommend it but somewhere along the line like um so started this this podcast for the 2016 um formula one season then they kind of ran parallel <laughs> for 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 a long time but and then i guess in the beginning of COVID is when the other one finally just it was it was kind of i wouldn't say on life support but it was becoming increasingly difficult for the for the both of us jorge and myself to sit down and and do that uh, together and then so that one kind of went by the wayside and then by that point i was kind of looking to do other things so i, I put all my effort into this podcast and then we partnered up was it over two years ago now <laughs> Just amazing, Hammy. So there was only like a little bit of time where I wasn't really doing anything with uh, with anyone else, and then when we partnered up, it was uh, you know full speed ahead. And it's been great. 
that actually uh, kind of leads into the next question I have, which is, and I don't actually know this this question, or I don't know the answer to this question, oh, okay. but I've, I've heard a little bit about your background in terms of covering club and international football, but I don't yeah. really know the origins of this show. I, I always was, I was always mm-hmm. aware of the show because I was a Formula One media consumer and I'm a huge podcast fan and we were introduced by a mutual Whitecaps fan, a mutual Whitecaps yeah, Victor. friend, Victor, <laughs> Shout out Victor, Victor brought us together. Shockingly, I yeah. was doing a show. You were doing a show. And it's like, you're mm-hmm. both doing a show in the same city, which was incredible. But I don't really know about the origins of this show. So we talked earlier this year about the fact that your show, this show, celebrated its six-year anniversary, I think, in the spring. It's just a yeah. couple of months now away from celebrating its seven-year anniversary. It is one of the oldest F1 podcasts in the yeah. world. But what are the origins of, of this show? Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So it, it's just uh, literally something that I decided to do over the 2015 Christmas holiday, really. I was sitting down, decided, hey, you know what? I've got the equipment. I've got the expertise. You know, McCorry and myself at, at that point had already done hundreds of podcast episodes. So it was literally just sitting down and coming up and creating this new this new channel, right? Basically, a, a whole new stream. And in the beginning, it was just, it was myself and I didn't really publicize it because I wasn't really too sure where it was going to go. But originally I just uh, did it, um, you know, like once a week and I, I tried at one point to, to set a website up and, you know, do pre- create some written content. But that just uh, proved too time consumed with family, with work, and you know, really focusing on the soccer, like everything we we're doing for soccer, the 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 blogging, and then also the the the, the podcasting and all the other stuff. And, like we we're doing like a lot of like radio hits at the time, so it was you know I was doing like weekly, you know, several hits a week. So it was just a lot of preparation going on in that. So it was interesting that I partnered up with another fellow by the name of Kevin Laramie, who's in uh, Montreal. We did that for a couple of years, and then he went on to to other things. So I, I think I did it on my own. For for about a year and then it was funny because we got together you myself tim and then your other partner from flash Gil, F1, yeah yeah gill gill and yep. and that was so much fun yeah. and, and we sat down in, in in my basement studio here literally days before the world crumbled at the beginning yeah. of covid yeah, yeah. and you know, it's funny because you know i i know that ultimately you guys kind of had you know wanted to do different things and and tim lives back east so we connect virtually whenever we can but i always like i always go back to that when i think you know how much fun that was and i couldn't help but wonder i mean we've kind of really gotten together with uh, you know with tim but and it took us a while to 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 partner up but i kind of wonder if covid hadn't gotten in the way 
you know, what could have come out of that meeting. Cause that was an exceptionally good podcast i thought because we actually if you remember we broke that up into two like parts. two episodes yeah yeah because it was a, it was a monster we sat down here for an entire night yeah. but i think we broke it down it, it it generated about two and a half hours of audio which was amazing it was really really good yeah and then so just to sort of like the where everybody else sort of comes in you and i sort of talked uh at the beginning of covid and of course the like the whole situation with like the Formula One season kind of was unsure. And then eventually it started going. You had some other things going on, not not podcast or Formula One related. And then so we sort of got together like right. It was maybe about this time. Maybe it was definitely fall of 2020. And then we haven't looked back ever since. I, I think from what I from what I've checked, I think that we i was closing in on about 200 episodes and we hit the 200 episode mark together not too long after we partnered up and this is episode 394 which is incredible if you think about that as well so just in a couple of weeks here we're going to hit episode 400 so you know the the majority of the episodes of this podcast have been done you know with with the daily hamilton partnership was uh, which is which is crazy but really that's really cool insane that's insane and the show that that yeah. i was doing before that you alluded to a little bit was called a uh, flash f1 and and i was doing it with one of my best friends gil and later we added yeah. steph wentworth who of course has gone yes. on to huge things working with liberty and all these other big media organizations um again she's so amazing to do, that's a great nothing story to do with the fact that she partnered with us purely based on her own talent <laughs> but um yeah. i I think COVID kind of took a lot out of me. Like, I think by the time mm. we got, and all the power to you, the fact that you just powered through that four month COVID break and kept producing talent, like, we, we took a bit of a hiatus and we came back. We came back in the summer and we were doing some things. But I think I just, I got a little bit overwhelmed with everything that was going on in my life. And I think a big part of it was I had decided at one point that I wanted to get really involved in provincial and federal politics here in Canada. And it was one of those things where like, if this is going to be something that's really serious, something has to break. And unfortunately for me at the time, it was the podcast. So a couple months later, you kind of reached out and you and I were just casually chatting and you're like, hey, do you want to pop on for an episode or a couple episodes? I'm like, well, I'm helping to run a, a campaign. I wasn't the campaign manager, but I was um, helping to run a campaign in a provincial election here in BC. And I'm just like, you know what, let, let me get through the campaign and we'll we'll have a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and you'd follow up every week. And I think you were teasing it on the air. And then finally, I think we were able to come together in in November, and it's kind of it's kind of worked out ever ever since then. And I think you and I both have big aspirations for what we know this could be, yeah. and how yeah. we could conquer other platforms and have our website and, and social media. I think the biggest challenge is, and especially, I, I don't know how you do it, man, with three kids. We'll talk a little bit about our kids later, but <laughs> I think it's just being time starved, right? Like yeah. wanting to do these things, knowing that we have the capability of doing these things, but. But yeah, that's great, man. So again, going back to Andy's question, World Cup question mark, for those that maybe aren't soccer fans, talk about where the World Cup resides in the sphere of global sporting relevance. Like just how big is the World Cup? Oh, it, it's huge. It's like one of the biggest sporting events on the on, on the face of the planet. It happens only once every four years. So all the teams that are in it, the only team that automatically qualifies is the uh, is the host country, and then everybody else uh, qualifies. So it has to. It's basically a tournament to get into the tournament, 
and they all get split up into to different groups. So you have uh, you have like uh, UEFA, which is Europe. You have uh, Concacaf, which is uh, North America, and uh, Central America. And then you have Comnibal. Then you have like uh, and then in Asia. So in Africa, so you get regions representing the entire world, and so it, it's it really is amazing. Like the, this global tournament that happens only uh, every uh, several years, and it, it really is it's it's appointment television. It's it's exciting because you get people traveling from all four corners of the globe to support their country and it is uh, really really cool so you get the group stage then it gets whittled down to like the other the group of 16 and then you get like um quarterfinals semifinals and then the the, the final itself it takes about a month uh, to play and then you've got some teams that have uh, won it multiple times like italy brazil germany they're they're, they're the big big uh, clubs and then you have uh, other teams uh, other countries uh, the usa is in it they're not quite as strong right now as they were in more recent years of course uh, soccer really became i'd say on the map in uh, the united states after usa 94 which was uh, when it was hosted stateside and that's also the genesis the birth of major league soccer which has grown and continues to grow it's not not quite there in terms of the level, both talent-wise and maybe perception-wise, to say some of the bigger leagues, especially in Europe. But it's coming along, and it's exciting. And there are bigger names coming to play in uh, in, in MLS all the time. And that's one of the the, the marks uh, that people had against it for a while. It's a retirement league because you know you had David Beckham played here towards the end of his career and guys like that. But uh, we're 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 starting to see some really really talented uh, athletes coming to play in this league. And then, but it's it's exciting, right? Because all of these players will play for a club somewhere. It doesn't matter if it's somewhere in Major League Soccer in England, Germany, Japan, South America, and Brazil, wherever it is. And so, what they do is that uh, their their national teams will select uh, players for that uh, tournament. And then, so it, it's interesting because you could have different sets of groups of fans that cheer against each other's team week in, week out. And then every couple of years, you know, for when you have uh, different uh, competitions like uh, the, the, the European cup or the African nations cup, but all these different tournaments or the world cup, they all get together because all their team, they're, they're, the players from these different clubs come together for the common cause and they get together. So it's uh, really quite exciting to see, but you know, a bad day for, for, for Canada after narrowly losing, to, to Belgium the other day got hammered 5-1 this morning by by four uh, one, Croatia 4-1 was it was it 4-1 I thought it was yeah. 5-1 in the end I kind of lost count after a while and you know I just kind of walked up uh, walked off in disgust but I, I guess that the uh Canada's head coach John Herdman made a comment saying that they played the way that they did against Belgium, that they were going to blank up Croatia, which was became like <laughs> bulletin board material, uh, which really motivated Croatia and and Canada. You know, I mean, the, the Canadians men's national team, you got to give them props because five years ago we were ranked with like, you know, teams like. Easter Island and Papua New Guinea, Micronesia, San Marino, you know, basically these tiny little cu- countries where the guys that play for the national team are fixing cars or working in a bank, you know, when they're, when they're not playing soccer, right? So Canada, I think last time I checked, we're kind of like ranked high 40s, but Belgium and Croatia ranked much higher than that. It was always going to be a bit of a tough job for them. But I think there was some hope that, you know, that Canada might be able to at least get out of the group stage because we've only been to the World Cup once before, and that was in Mexico in 1986. I barely remember that. Of course, you know, the world from media and television was a completely different place you know, 35 years ago or whatever the heck it is now. And I mean, now you can watch and get the news and and, and matches all over the place. But uh, it's disappointing. But you, you could tell that 
Canada's getting there, but not quite there yet. But, you know, the, the joke I made afterwards is like, well, now that Canada's broken my heart, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's up to England and Holland to, you know, break my heart going forward because they always seem to disappoint in the, uh, <laughs> the, the big tournaments and, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, you know, uh, ancestry, you know, and family on both sides, I can cheer for both. I, I tend to cheer more for, for Holland having, I, I identify very heavily with, uh, you know, my, my Dutch background and having lived there. But uh, I, I will cheer for both. But they'll, they'll both let me down before it's all over. You know, it's that just, was going to be just the way it goes. That was going to be my next question because, like you, uh, but but, I, but Hammy, you know, you're 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 English too, so you know where I'm coming from on this. I mean, th- this is not exactly, me being tri- that, melodramatic. That's exactly my point, though. Like, I, I I have the convenient reality of being able to support multiple teams, and I think going into this World Cup, I think we were going to support in a big way. Obviously, England, Canada, number one, but we were also because of course my wife's from Iran, we were going to support Iran. In fact, we had jerseys and everything ready to go to support all of these teams. But I think it became it became less it became very challenging to support the Iranian team based on I think a lot of what's happening over there. Mm. Of course, no fault of the players, but it's hard to support that that regime in that country. So we kind of put our support of of Iran temporarily on ice. Um, but I have become a big fan of the Saudi team. One, I love their jerseys, but two, I I love that huge upset against Argentina. So I think that's been a fun story. That but, was incredible. But yeah. of course, yeah. Now we can support uh, support England, and uh, obviously, I think we obviously want the U.S. to be hugely successful because so many of yeah. our listeners are there, and I think the success of soccer in the U.S. will spill over into Canada. But it's crazy, man. I was reading earlier today that the CSA, the Canada Soccer Association, their annual budget is thirty million dollars, man. Like that that organization oh, nothing, needs right? some yeah. serious funding. Okay, next question. Next question. Or do you want to take a break? Um, sure. Well, we'll we'll take a little break, but I should also say that you know my one of my best friends is Mexican, so I I I, I have to cheer for L three. That's just uh, that's just a that's given. Fair. He, he's given me no other op- <laughs> no other option. So I do also uh, tend to show Mexico a fair bit of love when it comes to the World Cup. But it was very very tense. If you go back to the twenty fourteen World Cup, Holland. And L three played each other. There was there was an incident, no era penal, and that's been a bone of contention between myself and my my good friend Jorge ever since. You know, the, our friendship survived it. Just the podcast at that time survived it. Just, but it's time to <laughs> to move on. And yeah, we'll we'll do so. In just a moment. let's uh, take a quick break. And we'll come back in just a moment. Don't go away. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. 
All right. Welcome back. Mark Daly and Mark Hamilton coming to you at the end of a a very long Thanksgiving weekend, Cyber Monday, and then tomorrow being Giving Tuesday. Welcome to one and all, especially those of you joining us on the live chat, the regular cast of characters. Shout out Javier, Chris, welcome, welcome. Yeah. And Connie and uh, and Rocky, so a fair amount of people. I hope you all had a, a great Thanksgiving and Thanks for spending some time with us this evening. So this is our first ever off-topic F1 show or F1 off-topic. We, we basically barely talked to the F1 so far, so <laughs> we're, we're going to keep doing that because, you know, you basically assembled a lot of the questions that we get that don't really slot into the regular show with, with any ease because, you know, we tend to be a little bit long-winded. I, I know, I know. People will probably not believe us when we say this, but you know, I'm joking. We, we know we're long-winded, so some of these things if we were trying to talk about in a regular show that really already starts to run like you know 90 minutes on on a good week, sometimes a little bit more than you know, kind of get off one of these off-topic uh, you know subjects. <laughs> we might be there for another 90 minutes on top of oh, it. Oh man, daily, daily. You so you said something before the break, and I. I've been yep. meaning to ask you about this for a very long time, and I'm hoping the audience okay. isn't too, too big, because I know this is going to sound really, really stupid, but the okay. Netherlands, <laughs> being Dutch, yes. and Holland, yep. I get, mm-hmm. for some reason, I get very confused understanding the difference between Holland, the Netherlands, being referred to as Dutch. Can you break down what the Netherlands is and and where Holland fits into this? Because people often use Holland interchangeably as if it's a country yeah. on its own, which isn't the case. And I know a lot of people get confused. Maybe share a little bit of yeah. background. Yeah, I mean, like the Netherlands is the name, and then Holland is uh, more of like a, a province. You have uh, Nord-Holland in, in in the west of the country, which is kind of a little bit uh, counterintuitive. But yeah, it, it's really you know interesting because you know Holland is a, it's really such a small country, but it's it's very very diverse in the the amounts. Like it's it's very different and. And you always hear the term like double Dutch. And there are so many dialects like in the country that is really small. Then you have Friesland, which is in the, in the north east-ish corner. And Fries is a completely different language. If you have somebody speaking Dutch and somebody speaking Fries, they can't even understand each other. Wow. And then it's interesting if, if you have like somebody speaking dialect in a different part of the country uh, and, you know, like in different and and. They just can't understand each other either. And then even you have like the dialects that are similar. You go like 10 miles down the road. There's even like subtle differences to the dialect itself. But it's kind of interesting too, because where my my uh, the, my family in Holland is from is pretty close to the Der- uh, German border. So that dialect actually extends into Germany as well. And, back, and, and now it's different, right? Because everybody there like in our generation even before learned english and you know i i know so many people in holland they speak dutch they speak english they speak german they speak french they speak spanish many of them are at least by if not trilingual most of them speak their dialect as well it's really quite incredible but back in the day especially for like the the older generation for like my my grandparents for example they might not speak a lot of german but they could if they ran into some of the german people that that were sort of like immediately adjacent to them just over the border they could still communicate in their in their dialect which is a which is a kind of a cool as well. So very cool, it's, man. it's, it's a bit of a funny country that way, but it's, it's, it's a very, very cool culture. I, I, I really dig it. And like I say, I mean, I really identify heavily with it. I, I'm completely fluent in Dutch. 
And even though I I lived in the in in Oldenzaal, which is where my family's from, which is in the eastern part of the the, the country. I spent most of my working time in uh, Utrecht, which is it's uh, one of the bigger cities in Holland. It's just to the east. If you have um, Amsterdam, uh, a little bit more north, and Rotterdam, a little bit further south, Utrecht, more or less, would make that triangle to the east and to the north a little bit. So I, I'm told that when I speak Dutch, that I speak with like a, an Utrecht accent, which would make sense because I spent... Uh, many many years working there which was crazy because everybody thought like i was completely insane they're like why do you spend so much time driving to and from utrecht each and every day i'm like dude it's like an hour it's like <laughs> nothing they're like we well, should get like a place you can stay there go there on sunday night come back friday and then i'm just like dude it's an hour in the car it's not like a big deal i'm like if i really wanted to live in utrecht i'd, I'd get a place and I'd, I'd live there there'd be none of this you know, spending like five days there, then coming home on the weekend. Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. Especially it, it's like an hour commute. Like I can do this, you know? So anyways, awesome. not long story. I know. Awesome, man. Next question is from Michelle, who I, I had the distinct pleasure of actually meeting in Vancouver oh, Michelle, during gee, the summer. Yeah, cool. Uh, what are your kids into hobbies, sports, TV shows, Etc. So I, I'll jump into this one to give you a, mm. an opportunity to uh, to take a sip of Joe. Um, but my son, who we speak about quite often on the show, is an only child. Will always be an the only parsa. child. Yeah, the parsa. Uh, he will remain an only child. But in the context of our household, he is more like a roommate. Um, there is very little of that parent-child <laughs> dynamic going on. He more or less, he's again, he's a sweetheart. He's incredibly well-behaved. He's not destructive. But he does what he wants. He eats what he wants. He he sleeps where he wants. It's it's basically <laughs> it's basically his house, and everything that we do is a negotiation between the three of us. But in terms of the stuff wow. that he's into, it goes through phases. He's five years old. He used to love cars. He likes monster trucks. He loves trains. His biggest, biggest, biggest obsession, and this is certainly not something that I've really started to nurture until recently, is he's obsessed with basketball. And we have basketball hoops all throughout our house, and we've got one in our front yard. Nice. He loves the NBA. He's been learning all the teams. His favorite player is Kevin Durant. He loves LeBron James. We've watched that awful, awful Oklahoma City Thunder movie on Netflix, Thunderstruck, no less than a million times <laughs> in the last couple last couple of months. Um, he his favorite, I think his his favorite food is he loves Middle Eastern food, so shawarma, doner, Persian oh, food, man, so polo, all of that kind of stuff. Love it. Love um, it. And in terms of music, he loves Persian pop music, and he he loves Drake. But I think the Drake thing is more or less just kind of a spillover to the fact that he's that's what he's grown up listening to. Um, <laughs> But uh, I think we, we've been a little bit – like I have to keep reminding myself that the stuff that it was okay to watch and listen to around him when he was two and three and he probably wasn't going to regurgitate is highly problematic now. Like I left, I left him in the bedroom <laughs> the other day because he wanted to dance to a Drake song and a song came on afterwards. I think it was um, – it was, I think it was the Miley Cyrus, Juicy J song, 23. And my wife walked into the room and he's basically quoting Miley Cyrus, like, quote unquote, <laughs> this is so bad for a five-year-old. But he's like dancing around, quoting Miley Cyrus, singing like, I'm in the club, high on purple with shades on, tatted up miniskirt with my J's on, J's on my feet, J's on my feet. Basically quoting bits and pieces of the song. I was just like, oh, I've got to be very careful with what I leave 
what I leave on around him. But but in terms of TV shows, um, again, he's been through a lot of stuff. But right now, he really loves any like NBA clip shows. He really likes Hotel mm-hmm. Transylvania. Um, and I think he also he's kind of been through a Mr. Bean phase recently as well. And there's a ton of Persian stuff that that mm. he's watched, uh, like Hola Mezi and things like that. But but yeah, otherwise he's he's really good. And like I shared on a podcast recently, he's taken to referring to his teachers at school as sure bro and yeah, baby, which is <laughs> which is elicited some more uncomfortable conversations of which there are many with his teachers. But yeah, other than that, it's good. I think our dream when he grew up, when he was born, was hey, we would love if he could be an F1 driver, if he could be a soccer star, or if he could be a professional basketball point guard because i have no savings for my retirement none i have no plans oh, i will never retire yeah. so he will be my retirement plan and i think it's become yeah. very clear that he's not going to be a formula one driver because of the cost of that that sport so uh fingers mm-hmm. crossed he can find his way into the nba as a six foot two point guard um but <laughs> but that's it what about you so you have three oh, kids man. You have three kids. I Contextualize do, your home yeah. life for the listeners that listeners uh, tuning in today. Oh my God, it's hell. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I I joke. I joke, but I, I have to laugh a little bit. I was just uh, thinking. Well, you were just talk, talking about Parso to say that you know, he's your your, your insurance uh, like uh, policy almost uh, the, on the fact that you have like no retirement savings. I feel exactly the same way. I kind of had all the hopes for for my kids. My my oldest Brockton, he's fourteen. Alexis, my daughter's twelve. Brody is uh, seven, going on eight. And you know, and Brockton, you know, I'll be honest. I had all these high hopes for him too. I'm I'm just hoping now he graduates high school. Anything <laughs> beyond that is going to be a bonus. But I I joke, I joke. They're 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 all great kids. Brockton's into sailing, and he's getting really really good at it. You know. My weekends uh, are spent in the fall and in the spring taking them to sailing practice and to regattas and stuff like that, which for a parent sucks because a lot of these play- like regattas are out of these really snobby like yacht clubs and they're great to the kids, to the sailors. But if you're like a non-yacht owning parent, it's like, why the F are you here and why are you not leaving? So I try to spend the least amount of time there possible because I, you know, I'll be, you know, I think sailing's great, but I just don't like the vibe in a lot of these clubs. Now, Alexis, she's big into competitive cheer. And that is a sport which before she got into a couple of years ago, I knew nothing about. And then she did what was called like prep, which was like non-competitive, just like this is several years ago now when she was a little bit younger to see if she liked it or not. And she did. So we put her into competitive cheer and the amount of confidence it's given her, not just in the athletic side, but also with her personality, because she was pretty introverted when she was growing up. It's amazing. They just had a, a showcase today at the at the gym where she's a member. There were several hundred athletes and parents and stuff, and it was just amazing watching them. Like, And some of the older teams, they went to the Worlds in Orlando uh, last year. And so, you know, some of them, their respective levels, level seven, which is like basically like Olympic and international level, they got like second and third, like at the world championships, which is amazing, but it's just a great vibe. And I, you know, I've learned to really love the sport and it's kind of cool. The neighbors that uh, just moved in uh, last spring, their daughters on the same team. So it's kind of cool. We then, you know, so uh, to, to do that, my youngest, he's not really too sure what he, he shows no real interest in sports at all, but 
you know, much like Parsa, he really likes Mr. Bean. There, there, so there's <laughs> there, there's a phase there. But I had to laugh because I was kind of thinking because, you know, I've I've said that I'm not buying a new car until these kids grow up a little bit, and I can trust them that if I buy a new car, that they're not going to beat the crap out of it because they've beaten the crap out of the car that I have now. I'm just like, I'm going to keep this thing rolling as long as I can. Smart move. And then, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so my car is kind of old in that regard. I mean, most of the time when I'm in there, I'm, I'm streaming like a podcast or I'm listening to something on satellite radio or just listening to some music. But it does have like a six disc CD stack in there. So that is not a brag kind of in 2022, my friend. That no, is not a brag. No, no, no. But so like th- several weeks ago, I was sitting here and I'm like, oh, yeah, this thing's got a CD player in there. So I wonder what's in there. So I hit CD and the first thing that came on was Tupac Shakur. No. Now, fortunately, the, the the song that came on was California Love. So but, you know, also I turned it off as quick as possible because I wasn't sure which song might come right, right. That's an awesome after story. that. So yeah, yeah. So I, I I did eject the disc. So it was it was all eyes on me was the album. And yeah. so it's been in that in there for probably at least 10 years. So, I love so it. there you go. That's so awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. And your yeah, kids, yeah. not to put all of your business in the street, but I think at least some of yeah. your kids up in here up here in Canada, um public school students have the option of going into an English school or a French immersion school, regardless of where yeah. you live. And increasingly, we are seeing the opening of Mandarin immersion schools. But I think at least some of your kids are at That's French cool, immersion right? schools too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my, my oldest two are in, uh, in in French immersion. We put them to like what's late start uh, French immersion. So they started in grade six when they went into middle school. And that's really cool. I mean, you know, much like yourself, the only French that I got when I was growing up and going to school was like a French class, so yeah, like an same. hour or two per week. Same. And I kind of have regrets that I didn't really take it more seriously now. Uh, like at, at this age, I wish that when I was younger that I'd really pushed myself more because I, you know, I took it in high school when I needed to, but I never pursued it as an elective. And and as I've gotten older, I've really come to learn to love languages. And like I say, I, I learned how to speak Dutch. We only spoke a little bit of it in our house growing up, but I took it upon myself to learn it the hard way. And by the hard way is like when I went to go, like originally I went to Holland for to, to travel for a year and then that ended up becoming seven years. But after I started like going, I decided I was going to stay there long term. I started being really stubborn with people because, you know, they love speaking other languages that the, the, the Dutch do. So they, they love speaking English. If you're Canadian or American, they just completely freak out. They want to speak English all the time. So I became that guy that would refuse to speak English with them, uh, you know, and was with the, with the family was okay because they knew what I was up to. But, you know, a- after a while, but uh, I just, you know, like I say, I, I kind of wish just going back to the French thing that I'd taken it a little bit more serious. Right. And I'd like to learn it now. You know, it's, you know, I, I do have, um, you know, some, uh, what is it called? Rosetta Stone. And I, I really feel like, um, you know, I, I'd like to learn more, you know. But uh, it's funny, I just hear Javier Ramos uh, in the live chat, uh, his chat said, Bark regretting not learning more languages is hilarious. He is already overachieving. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude. So I feel firmly put by a thank you for the reality check. (laughs) I love it. I love it. 
duly noted. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. of course you need you need a ninth language, right? You you don't need to be you're already transcribing and translating on the fly German and Spanish F one articles on the podcast, of course <laughs> Dutch. But that was actually going to be my question was was your language, and I think that's mm. uh I think given the fact that you had the experience living in that country and and kind of growing mm-hmm. up at least in a somewhat bilingual house. Um, I think that's pretty cool. And of course, your kids are growing up bilingual as well, because of course, yeah. uh, they're growing up going to French immersion. And one of the things that we tried so hard with Parsa, in fact, before Parsa was born, um, like I said before, my wife is Persian. So if we you, we use Iranian and Persian almost interchangeably. And we also use Persian and Farsi. Right, Farsi right, is right. The, the dominant language in Iran. Like we use Persian and Farsi um, interchangeably as well. But I started taking, I started going to Farsi classes in 2017, I have a great teacher. I still go. So at home, we try to make that the the dominant the dominant language, and that's the only language Sarah's relatives and family speak with him as well. But um, sometimes I have to check them because he earlier this year had made this conscious decision that while we only speak to him in Farsi, he'll only respond to mm-hmm. us in English. And I think early on that created a lot yeah, okay. of anxiety because there was this fear that he was losing that part of his culture and he, he clearly understands it, but it's been a real fight to get him to, to get him to speak it. Um, and then the other big piece too, that I've been taking on myself is I want to learn as much Arabic as possible. And that's, that's a little right, bit, right. that's a little bit easier because I have a really good grasp of the, the alphabet. So the, the Persian language uses the Arabic alphabet. It adds four additional letters, which is kind of cool because the oh, wow. Arabic language doesn't have uh, a P equivalent. So we have P, we have the P sound in English. And in Farsi, they have a, a letter called P, which again is the P equivalent. But in Arabic, they mm-hmm. don't. So typically in Arabic, if you see a sign that says Pepsi, for instance, which would have um, two P's, Pepsi. Um, in Arabic, when mm-hmm. you read it, it would read as Bebsi. So they typically substitute the P's for B's because that's the closest equivalent oh, in their okay. alphabet. Now, people that speak Arabic, obviously know that that's supposed to be a P and that does a P sound. So they would, they would read it as such. But uh, because I have such a good grounding in the Persian alphabet, which is borrowed from the Arabic alphabet, um, I can generally read Arabic quite well as well. The tricky is my, my, my word cool. count in Arabic is very, very, very low. There is, there's probably 10,000 loan words in Persian from Arabic, but I don't know enough mm-hmm. that I can get through most sentences with any sense of what's going on. And one of the things that makes Persian such a cool modern language is there's no gendered pronouns. So it's it's always just they, 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 they. There's no he, there's no she. And in Arabic, like in English and in French, um, there's a lot of gendered pronouns, which makes learning it much more complex. But in Farsi, there mm. isn't. So it's that much. So when you're when you're conjugating verbs and you're basically just learning the language, it's easier to know that it's just they. It's not a he. It's not a she. Mm. It's just a they, which is which is pretty cool. My friend, the next question up was from Larry Walden III, um, and it is fishing podcast. My friend, I am not a fisher. I haven't fished since I was a child. It is not something that gets me particularly excited. Is fishing something that's part of, of your world? Not really, because me and sharp objects like fishing hooks just don't get along. So, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't like. I did when I, when I was a kid uh, growing up, but uh, that's just uh, it, it's it's a sport. I just don't have enough time to to do it. I 
don't really know anyone. I mean, it's a friend of mine does quite a lot of it, but 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 I don't, and I know it's a lot more nuanced uh, than just going out the, to the local fishing hole with a uh, with a rod and uh, some bait and just uh, casting a line. But uh, maybe one of these days, that's something I could you know partake in if I ever get free time back in my life. If you have enough free time <laughs> to fish, I will time. ensure you're using it to work on the podcast. I will not I will Th- not that's allow what I'm afraid you. Of. Yeah, I will not allow you to fish. <laughs> my friend, one of the things that I promised I was going to ask you and you've had a couple of days to kind of stew oh, yeah. on this is what is sure. and it doesn't have to be 90s. Let's just just generally say what are some of your favorite sitcoms? They could be British, they could be American, they could be Dutch, mm. although I won't have heard of them. What are some of your favorite sitcoms of your of your years growing up consuming TV? Um, so like, like any sitcom, like uh, I, like I say, like I grew up with the, uh, you know, with, with an English dad. So we grew up with a fair amount of things like, uh, you know, British humor. So Faulty Towers, Monty Python, any, anything like that. I was uh, particularly a big fan of, uh, Rowan Atkinson and, uh, and, and Blackadder as well as I, I thought like was a really, really funny show as, as for sitcoms. Wow. Um, I guess back in the day, you know, I would, was a big fan of uh, of Seinfeld, big fan of The Office. I, I, I love The Office. I just can't uh, get over it. Like Brooklyn Nine-Nine is another show I, I can go back and just uh, watch over and over and over again. Th- those are what I would say would have to be be my main ones. Those are ones that I always kind of go back to. How about yourself, I, I love, so same as you, that I grew up in a British home. I grew up in the UK, so we consumed a ton of British sitcoms. And that was, that could be Blackadder, yeah. that could be Red Dwarf, that could be Faulty Towers, that could be Monty Python, that mm. could be, that could be The Young Ones. It could be, uh, obviously, The oh Office God, the young ones. came yeah. later as well. Uh, and I, I really like The British Office. I, I think it's something that I have yes. to be in a specific state of mind to really enjoy it. Whereas the American office, which is just a brilliant, brilliant program. I could sit down yes. and pluck out any episode at random from their nine seasons. And I'm going to enjoy it. Even mm-hmm. though I've probably seen it a hundred times before, I'm going to love it. And I don't think there's many yep. other series that I hold in that regard. I, I really liked Seinfeld during its run until it ended in 98. I still remember, I still remember the big, the big, uh, kind of the big lead up to that that finale of course friends was a uh, was a great show in the 90s um, yep. I'm trying to think and by trying to think I mean I'm scrolling through I'm scrolling through Google right now trying to see if there's anything else obviously I miss yeah sex in the city um but but fresh prince was great uh, one um you fresh prince was a great one of the the original I I never watched the reboot that apparently came out when it was good. about uh, apparently it's good yeah yeah it came out what earlier this year right I think so yeah and it's more of a, yeah, dr- I yeah. understand it's more of a drama. Like, I think it's an hour long drama, yes. but the same context. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. It's definitely worth uh, checking out. And another comedian that nobody on this podcast has probably ever heard of is a uh, Van at Heck. He's a Dutch comedian that I really liked uh, from, from way back uh, in the day. So dude, that's awesome. Yeah. And my, my, my favorite, my, my, my favorite uh, DJ in Holland uh, back in the day is a guy called Edwin Avers. I uh, used to be the, the morning guy on uh, Radio 538 and he did this uh, really hilarious um, impersonation of uh, Frank and Ronald de Boer, the soccer players, and they they always came off less than intelligent. But the the, the little skits that he used to do with them, like they would basically the, the the whole pretext would be like they would call into the show and there would be some ridiculous scenario going on. <laughs> it was so funny. But he when he stopped uh, doing the uh, or he stopped working at Radio Five uh, a couple of years ago. 
I think he had either one or both of the brothers on the show wow. and uh, they had a good laugh because, uh, you know, he, he really got years of great content at their expense. But I mean, it wasn't anything degrading. I mean, they did come off, uh, you know, a little bit uh, less than intelligent. But it was always re- <laughs> it, it was meant in it. It, it was meant well and uh, it was done really really quite uh, brilliantly i yeah i'd love to play some clips but sadly i think i'd be about the only person <laughs> that would probably understand a the humor in it and obviously the fact that it would be in dutch yeah, so yeah. there's that that's great and probably gonna get some eye rolls for this but i should also mention i was uh yeah a huge uh yeah i'm definitely gonna get some eye rolls for this but i was also a huge fan of entourage during its run although the 2015 oh, yeah, right. theatrical production yeah. was a little bit a little bit disappointing. Uh, my friend, this is what I'm going to kick over to you because you're the NFL guy, mm-hmm. but we have a question here from TC and his question is college football playoff prediction, smiley face, but I'm going to make that a college football slash NFL play. And again, it's still the end of November, early December when you're listening to this. So we're not quite close to the, uh, the NFL playoffs yet, but I don't follow college football. I don't know much about the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, we're probably shedding listeners as those words are coming out of my mouth. But <laughs> from your perspective, do you follow college football? And from an NFL perspective, what are you expecting to see from a, a playoff per- kind of a playoff yeah 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 I, i'm a huge nfl guy i mean before we sat down here i just uh watched jalen hurt and the uh and the and the philadelphia eagles beat the green bay packers so i was uh, watching that this uh, this afternoon i i love college football but i'll i'll be straight up with you guys i haven't had a chance to really follow much this year i i know that uh that the odds on favor to maybe win the national championship this year is the georgia bulldogs but i i don't know why for for some reason, I, I I'm just really feeling both uh, Ohio State, the Ohio State University, and also um, USC. I, I I just feel that somewhere that uh, that that both of those two schools could be in the mix. Who, who's going to win the national championship? I don't know. I I just feel like Georgia's too easy of a of a pick uh, and uh, to 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 win it all. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But uh, for for some reason, you know, there's this little voice in the back of my head is uh, saying, keep an eye on both the Buckeyes and uh, and the Trojans. But I'm, I'm going to, you know, label that or just to kind of give a warning here that anytime I say to pay attention, because I got a good feeling about this driver, this team, this game, run away from that as fast as possible, because I'm historically really really bad when it comes to making uh, predictions <laughs> like, like that but i mean wow i mean just uh, looking at the the, the nfl like uh, the, this year i mean I, I keep going back like the one thing that uh, that was outstanding was that afc championship game last year between the the kansas city chiefs and the buffalo bills especially was at that third or fourth quarter when mahomes and and allen they just they they i mean they went at it with handbags that was probably the best football or quarter of football i've seen in my entire life but i mean it's it's crazy. I mean, I'm just to look at the standings here. The AFC East, you got Miami, the Miami Dolphins, eight and three, 11 weeks or 12 weeks into the season, wherever we're at right now. And uh, that's on par with the Buffalo Bills. I mean, you look at the Tennessee Titans, seven and four, Kansas City, nine and two. Then in the uh, the NFC, you got the Philadelphia Eagles, 10 and one, Dallas, eight and three. Vikings are looking good at nine and two. And then the, the the Buccaneers, you know, they're they're a weird team. I mean, they're I mean, the NFC South is really really 
week. I mean, the way you look at it right now, I mean, they, uh, you know, <laughs> the Bucks are on top of that div- division of five and six. So you got the Falcons, the Panthers, and the New Orleans Saints. I mean, all four of those teams are below 500. But then over the NFC West, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from the 49ers. I got a bit of a soft spot for them because I kind of cheered for them as a kid growing up. They're seven and four. I mean, you go back to like basically the first like series on offense at the beginning of the year, Trey Lance, who was going to be the guy goes down with a season ending injury. I mean, I don't think it was uh, like the, the, the first you know snap of the year, but I mean, it happened pretty early in that game. And Jimmy Garoppolo has come back in. And I mean, he took a you know pretty heavy pay cut to stay in San Francisco. I mean, he's done a pretty good job. I mean, that team as a whole has done a pretty good job to be on top of uh, the NFC West at seven and four. But then uh, another team that just, uh, you know, really boggles my mind, the Denver Broncos in the AFC West, three and eight. I mean, they made such a fanfare of picking up Russell Wilson, you know, bringing him that big mega trade that they made with the Seahawks. I mean, that has just not worked out for them at all. Three and eight. I mean, they're even worse than the Raiders, who are four and seven. I mean, the Raiders are the Raiders. It doesn't matter where they are in L.A., Oakland, or now Las Vegas. I mean, the Raiders just always kind of tend to be the Raiders. (laughs) Or either seem to be good or really, really Raider-ish, and that's where they are right now. And I mean, the Broncos are even worse than them at the moment, which uh, which is crazy, but... You know, I, 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 I'm kind of thinking that in the the NFC Championship game, I would, I don't know how it would work out just with the seating and everything like that. I think it would be incredible to see the Eagles and the Vikings, you know, maybe even the 49ers get and get in there. I'd love to see a rematch in that uh, AFC Championship game between the, the the Chiefs and the 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 the, the Bills. I love watching uh, both of those teams. You know, anytime that because uh, I I don't get like the the full NFL package at home. It's just. And so many other subscriptions that I have, you know, getting the NFL one and, you know, trying to keep up with all the games that I might get a chance, get a chance to watch anyways is just not money well spent. But uh, whatever comes on, you know, on, on the TV is uh, good enough for me. But certainly did, uh, I, did I'd, you, I'd love to see any of those teams. Did you ever get a chance? Sorry, go ahead. Go did ahead. you ever get a chance knowing that, A, you lived in the Netherlands, um, two, you're a big yeah. NFL fan. Did you ever go and see the Amsterdam Admirals of the NFL Europe League play? No, I, I didn't. But uh, NFL Europe was definitely around back in the day. And it was kind of funny because on a Sunday night, you know, there's there's a six hour time difference between the East Coast and uh, Central European time, which is uh, where, where Holland is. So I'd be able to sit down and they didn't like I'm sure it's different now. But back then you could kind of get like some extended uh, highlights. So, you know, th- and at that, that time is when the St. Louis Rams were the greatest show on turf. And so it all it seemed that if there was extended highlights or maybe kind of like um what do they call it the NFL red zone where they kind of have like this rolling kind of like they'll, they'll go from game to game to game it seemed like that the the, the Rams were always on TV because yeah Kurt Warner Tory Holtz and and all those guys I mean that really was uh, some some amazing That's football awesome, that man. they played back in the day but I never got a chance to go and check uh, check it out because there was the Admirals, what was it, the London Monarchs? You know, there, there was about, what, five or six teams in the NFL Europe. But I guess ever since that kind of folded, I mean, they've really taken it to another level playing, you know, NFL games in, in London, which they've done for a and number of years. And now Germany, too. Lots coming for Germany. Germany. 
yeah, they played in in Munich, and I think they were just in Mexico City the other week as well. So I mean, I, I can see like the cities like Mexico City and and London definitely supporting you know ha- having the, the the population base, but also the financial support to support an NFL team. But it'd be kind of crazy to have a. Uh, like a permanently based NFL team in London, England, but it'd be cool too, right? One last question before we uh, sign off for the night. And this is kind of a a broader question, but daily, what is your, what is your three-year plan? What is your, what is your five-year plan look like? Well, unfortunately I'll look kind of the same because uh, (laughs) you (laughs) <laughs> I'm not independently wealthy, and uh, I, I haven't been received a, a phone call or a letter from some from some from some lawyer that I've never heard of saying that some rich uh, relative that I'd ever heard of has passed away and has you know, willed me ten million dollars. So unfortunately, three and five years down the road, uh, I still anticipate I'll be working, much like I anticipate I'll still probably be working to pay off my bills and my mortgage long after I've departed this uh, <laughs> this earth. But you know, I mean, there, there's always the, the the hope that at some point can kind of like dial back on the nine to five grind and be able to put uh, more energy and time into to to what we do here and just you know spend more time with the family. And you know, I'll be honest, you know, I, I, during the course of my career right now, I've I've put in a lot of hard work and a lot of hours, and I've missed a lot of family time, a lot of family vacations and and special events and stuff like that. So I'm I'm at that point in my life now, you know, where 50s a lot closer than 40 and retirement's like a lot closer than high school, <laughs> which kind of scares me. Um that those are where more of my priorities are is like more me and more family time. So whether or not I can make that a reality, I I don't really I don't really know, but that's what I'm working towards. And I, I, you know, you and I talk about this sort of stuff a, a, a lot, and I think we're in a pretty similar headspace when it comes to that. Hammy. Yeah, I, I, I greatly respect your your position, especially around trying to find some work life balance, which I think can always be difficult, especially in your mm-hmm. your high pressure the high pressure industry that that you work in, and just knowing how how incredibly oh, yeah, vital yeah. and important a role you play in your organization. Um, it doesn't surprise me, but yeah. I, and just saying this as a friend and a colleague, obviously I hope you find that. I hope you find a way to find that balance because you obviously have a, a big family and it's, it's one thing when the kids are are young and it's another, when they start to get into that kind of middle school, high school age where your presence and, and, and your leadership are that much more important to their development because they're yeah. they're coming across moments in life where decisions are being made and you want to make sure that they're on the right track. Um, I think for me, yeah, hundred percent, right? I think for me, it's it's pretty simple that we we're very and I think for a lot of people listening to the U.S., they might shake their heads like, "Wow, you you have a you have a house like that's not a big deal." But where we live, <laughs> where we live in Canada. Um, owning a detached single family home is pretty unusual. And I think my wife and I, we sacrificed an awful lot over the course of a decade um, to put ourselves into a position uh, where we could get one and we have one. And I think that my, my ideal goal is to, to eventually get it rented out because I think 
my two-year goal, my three-year goal, and I love my employer. Um, but I think my two-year, three-year goal is I want to I want to have a business in the Middle East, and I want to be able to spend a lot more time there. Um, I want to have a permanent address there that we kind of call our own apartment or something like that. So I think for me in the next two to three years, probably less than three years, but in the next two years, really start to put pen to paper in terms of kind of registering the business and, and making it real and starting to do one, some consulting work. Um, but also I want to be able to start doing more of this. Um, and I think being, being potentially at least spending part of the year in a part of the world where you have three or four Grand Prix that are a two or three hour flight away from where you are, uh, would be pretty cool because I think you and I are very much on a remote outpost when it comes to F1, right? Like we've got Austin, man, and Austin's not super easy to get to. It's it's a flight to Houston and a two or three hour drive, or it's a six hour flight to Montreal, or it's a six hour flight to Miami. It's it's tough for us to get to some of these places. So I think my goal is like, obviously, um, kind of we're, we're well positioned here in the BC lower mainland. We're incredibly yep. blessed that we were able to, to do some things to make that a reality for us. Uh, but at the same time, I think that you know, I'm like you uh, kind of on the wrong side of 40. Um, and I, I think for the sake of our family, I want to be able to get a toehold in the Middle East um, as well. And I think that would be, yeah, getting that toehold. Yeah, I think getting that toehold in the Middle East would be something that's really important to us um, and could potentially yeah. unlock some other things. The challenge, of course, is that when you're living here and I've been working with the same company now for I guess this is my 22nd year with the company. So I've been there for a very, wow. very long time. So wow. obviously, Good for you, man. yeah, dude, like obviously it's been a great partnership. They're great to me. I feel like I've been great to them. Um, but when you've had that kind of security, it's kind of hard to, to consider other, other options, but I'll continue to, to bust mm -hmm. my ass and work for them until I kind of firmly kind of have decided what I want to do in the next couple of years, but maybe yeah. be able to do that while doing something over there would be kind of cool as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean that that's a big thing, right? I mean, I know that 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 work-life balancing is something that's a, a term that's thrown out there a lot and it's it's sometimes really difficult to 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 focus on that when you're just trying to make it through the grind of a 9 to 5 when you got bills to pay and you know things to do at work and you know, you know, a family to house and to feed, you know, sometimes it's difficult to to, to focus on those things uh, for, for for yourself, right? Totally. I mean, sometimes it's difficult just to 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 sit down you know, it's difficult for, for my, my wife and myself to sit down and just spend some time together because it's been a long day. I'm tired. She's tired. And then, you know, just to, you know, getting that quality time together when, you know, the kids are finally asleep or whatever. I mean, we're, we're both exhausted the, by, by that time. So to even think like a month or a year down the road is, it's just really, really difficult. But I always uh, say to my brother, I I'd love to be in that position because, you know, like one of the things I love to do as well is like, uh, I'm, I'm an avid skier and right, I, I forgot I've that. always said that I'll, I'll know that, that, that I've really made it to where I want to be that, that if there's like a nice powder day, that if, you know, I'm not living on a mountain, then at least I can just hop in my car and drive up to the hill and get some turns in. And, and ride some of that fresh pow because, you know, those days don't come uh, very often. So it's like, if, if, if I'm in a position to say, well, you know, screw it, I'm not working today, I'm going to hit the slopes, then I'll, I'll know that I'm there where, where I want to be. I'm not there right now, but 
<laughs> oh no, ask me again in three years, Hammy. Ask me in the the twenty twenty five edition of this or twenty twenty four edition and see. We'll, we'll both see where where we're at then. So who knows? Who knows? My friend, that's yeah, that's all yeah. I've got. I, I think for everyone listening at home, cool. we do still have a lot of great content coming over the the back half of December. Well, the back half of December for the duration, the entirety of December. We promise we're going to keep pumping out content. So please don't tune out. We'll be yep. right back to F one yep. starting this Thursday. I've already started putting together the agenda. It seems more and more likely that Matteo Bonato will be on his way out. There are rumors from the Italian press that crazy Braun wow. might be coming back. Of course, no one has actually spoken to Ross Braun about this, and I, I don't think <laughs> if, I don't know that he's interested in taking on a team principal role once again. But it's a super sexy con- or concept or topic to talk about. So make sure you tune in later You're this definitely week. Right? And as always, if you enjoy if you enjoy this podcast, if you like what I do. Uh, like what I do, like what we do. The only thing that we can ask is give us a subscribe. If hey. you listen on Spotify, give us a rating. And if you listen on Apple, uh, give us a rating and review. It means the world to both of us. Yeah, I love it. And of course, you want to get in touch, send us a tweet on uh, the Twitters at ScooterF1Pod or email ScooterF1Pod at gmail.com. And like Hammy said, that's all we got. We'll be back on Thursday. Enjoy your week, guys. And when we talk to you next, we actually will talk about Formula One. But uh, this was a lot of fun, Hammy. We should uh, do this again sometime. All right, guys. Have a great week. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now.